Hi, I'm Jackie Jones and welcome to my podcast, Living Life Being Human, the number one podcast for anxiety, stress and mental health support. Don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of my latest podcast episodes. And if you get any value from this podcast, please support me by leaving a review. It really does help me out and it motivates me to keep making these podcasts. You can connect with me on social media at Jackie Jones Coaching and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get weekly videos all around anxiety, stress and mental health. I hope you enjoy this episode. And I'm Jackie Jones from Jackie Jones Psychotherapy and Coaching and I thought we'd do something a little bit different this week. So I've got a, a guest and I'm going to just introduce him to you, but I'll put his camera on first so you can actually see who he is. Hello. <laughs> uh, welcome to my son. Carl is my firstborn. He's my eldest and we're going to be talking a little bit today about post-traumatic stress disorder um so i want to just do a bit of a, a trigger warning for anybody that um it might bring up some things for you and if it does please do get in touch don't suffer in silence um you can reach out to me or or anybody else but carl's been doing some wonderful things this week with a friend of his raising money for the samaritans so do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing and yeah, maybe why as well yeah so um, I got nominated by an ex-army friend um, and basically to do a, a challenge of 25 press-ups for 25 days. Um, it started just to raise awareness around mental health, um, PTSD, um, anxiety and depression, um, leading to suicide, um, so basically suicide prevention. Um, so I started talking about it and I thought, why not um, raise money for charity while we're going? So we're not just spreading awareness, we're also raising money for charity so I, I decided to do it for the Samaritans because they're um they can be a lifeline for people that are struggling with mental health and PTSD and stuff um they can sometimes be the only place people can turn to and I know they're struggling at the minute obviously with the demand on their service with corona and stuff so yeah I thought it'd be good to uh, to raise some money for them and I nominated my mate my best mate Stu Louis Stewie Lewis on the first day and he started actually doing a bit of um education around it as well sort of you know speaking about the symptoms and um the causes and stuff like that so i i thought it's a great idea so i've started doing it as well so we've been talking about ptsd all last week and then this week i've gone on to talk about, about anxiety and um, depression as well so i think it's a really um it's a really important subject that we need to talk more about it is and i don't think there's enough people talking about it because it, it for me a lot of it is that people automatically assume it's with a, a, a trauma a traumatic event a one-off thing that happens um but it, it can actually be low level consistent discomfort that can cause yeah. post-traumatic stress and particularly now with covid19 and the nhs staff i think it's really good that you're bringing awareness to it yeah definitely um people don't realize how how traumatic events they've been through themselves can be like a lot of people just think it's going to be guys on the front line in the army dealing with this but you know look at the nhs what they're dealing with on a daily basis yeah. now with corona you know it's the same they, thing they can... it's a war zone exactly yeah yeah um you know the police the the fire brigade you know dealing with horrendous car crashes you know sometimes on a weekly basis um and i don't think they because they're dealing with it so often they don't think that that can affect them but 
you know, the build-up of seeing this every week can really start to affect people. Yeah. And, and I think, just, uh, you know, I, I'm your mum. I know a lot of the things, obviously, that you've been through in your life. Um, you're ex-military. You were in the remit for eight years. Nine years. Nine years, I beg your pardon. Yeah. You did four tours of Afghan. I know you don't think of yourself as a hero because you weren't actually in the infantry, but you you were under fire at times. Yeah, we had stuff come over the fence sometimes and you're always on edge sort of thing. You never know what's around the corner. And, and I think that's just... one of the things with post-traumatic stress is being on heightened alerts for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I just think it's an um, important thing to talk about. Yeah, and the other thing is that y you did suffer from post-traumatic stress. You had quite a traumatic event that happened nine years ago, was it? Uh, seven years ago, yeah. God, my, I'm rubbish, Mum. I don't know <laughs> what happened to you and when it happened. <laughs> yeah, so I, I almost died seven years ago. Um, it was through my stupidity, really, just having a, a good time. For raving. five days straight, yeah, <laughs> raving for five days straight, not looking after myself. Um, and basically, I at the end of the night, well, it wasn't the end of the night really, it was the next day, sort of hungover, um, and I just basically collapsed in the hotel room and stopped breathing. Um, so it was my mate that rang the ambulance. Um, I woke up in hospital, sort of thing, on a drip, and everything was kind of fine, you know. They said, you know, you just overdone it, you're going to, um, you're going to be out um, tomorrow, they said. Yeah, was sort of I fine. had a phone call saying you were coming home and everything was fine. And then yeah. suddenly I got another phone call. <laughs> and then my body went into shock, um, anaphylactic shock. And um, basically my throat closed up. I stopped breathing. Um, and basically I went into life support then on um, a ventilator for 24 hours, I think. Yeah. Um, but it which... wasn't straight away that it affected you, really. No, so... Again, I kind of woke up, you were on the phone, just, hello, Carl, your mum's on the phone. I was like, what's going on? And, um, yeah, it didn't really affect me at all, to be honest. I came home, um, I was having blood tests and stuff, because no one could really tell me what had happened. Like, obviously, I had no idea we'd done it, end up in hospital, but no one knew why my body went into shock. So I'd just literally eaten, eaten dinner, like, an hour before, so I was panicking, thinking I was now allergic to something, yeah. and it was going to happen again. But the worst thing is, when you're allergic to peanuts or something, you know, you know it's gonna, you know, you know it's peanuts that affect you. But I, I had no idea what what was, what was gonna affect me. Um, so it was kind of playing on my mind for a bit, but I just kind of carried on my life as normal. Um, I wasn't drinking for about six months. I think that's kind of what, what delayed the onset of it. Yeah. So six months later, I went out for a heavy session with my mates, and I was as actually driving. <laughs> six months, I thought I'd be fine. Um, I was actually driving to my dad's house, um, hungover again, which again was the last time I was hungover and feeling really sort of rough was when it happened. Yeah. Um, but again, it wasn't playing on mine. I didn't think about it at all, really. I didn't, well, I didn't, didn't think I was, but on the way on the way to my dad's, um, basically the same things happened to me in hospital started happening again. And my throat started closing up. My vision went all blurry. Um, I was, you know... My, my um, heart was going through, you know, pounding through my chest and that. And I thought, crap, you know, this is happening again. I'm going to die, sort of thing. So I, I literally pulled over, went up the next slip road, pulled over, and I was about to call an ambulance. But I thought, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where I am. If I do collapse and die, you know, Nobody's who's going to find me? 
I don't know what slip road I'm on. Um, and my, my stepmom is um, a consultant, a doctor, and I was literally ten minutes away. So I thought, right, if I if I get if I get there, she can either save me or call an ambulance. Or so I was I was in too much of a mess. To, I was going to call an ambulance and get it, get it to meet me there. Whatever, but I was too much of a mess. So I just just you know got got back in the car, drove there, um, and then she kind of checked me when I got there. And um, yeah, I kind of just settled down, like everything was fine. And I sort of had a drink of water. Dad was talking to me and stuff. Because I kind of stumbled out of the car and she saw, you know, it's like, Jesus, yeah. I must look to right state. And she's like, what's going on? I was like, well, uh, what happened in, on, on holidays happening again? And she was like, oh, you know, come inside. We'll sort of, we'll see what's going on. And if we need to get your ambulance, we'll get an ambulance. And she checked my blood pressure and, you know, listened to my heart and stuff. And she said, everything, everything seems fine. So we'll just keep an eye on you. Um, literally an hour later, I was absolutely fine, you know. Um, I was actually on my way back to army camp. I was still in the army then. So I had another five hours drive back to camp. So I had dinner with them, got back in the car, set off back to camp. And I think I rang you on the way back. Yeah. No, maybe it was the next day I rang you. I can't remember. But basically, I spoke to you and you were like, you've had a panic attack. And I was like, no, no way I've had a, I've had a panic attack. That like, wasn't a panic attack. No. It's too bad. I was, like, yeah. I was like, literally, my throat was closing. Like it was happening again, the same thing. And you were like, no, no, that's what a panic attack is. Like, your body, your body does things and makes you feel like you're dying, but you're not. It's, it's all in your head, sort of thing. I just, I just didn't accept. I was like, no, no way. And it took, it took a few weeks. Well, maybe it happened again, actually. Yeah. I think. I think you I think had a few. Kind of, I think you next, left it at yeah. that because I wasn't ready to, to take it on board, or whatever. And we left it, and then it happened again the next time I swung over. Um, and I was like, actually, you know, this. It could be a panic attack, you know. Yeah. Because I just, I just envisioned an anxiety and a panic attack as just being in in your head. You know, you think, you're just thinking, I'm going to die, and it just. But I wasn't. There isn't I was a physical like reaction to it. It's not physical. No. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about anything. It was just I was getting physical symptoms, that was that was making me think I was dying. It was. And I think quite... that's that's classic. You know, you were talking then about it was you know, that, the, that hungover feeling, it was after you'd had a drink. And our brain is a wonderful organ, but it doesn't always work to our advantage sometimes. And it's associated a bad event with something. It needs to connect it. It needs to connect the dots. So it was connecting that coming down from alcohol feeling to something bad. Yeah. And it's doing what it needs to do. It's protecting you. It's that fight yeah. and flight. Yeah. Because it was six months later, I didn't make the connection at all. I don't know if you made the connection initially. You well, I just said, stop drinking. I can remember telling you yeah. to just stop drinking. Yeah. It's hard because obviously all my mates, that's what we do. We go out drinking. So it's like, for me, it was just stop seeing all my mates again. Yeah. I can't or, see them without drinking. Yeah. 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 So it was a big part of my life at the time. I've cut it down a lot now because it does still affect me now. But So, yeah, six months later, um, and basically, and then... Because I was driving at the second time I had a panic attack, then my brain kind of linked driving to panic to panics and to dying. So then, for a good year, every time I got in the car, then I was, you know, having massive panic attacks, and it took over my life for a good a good year, at least maybe two years, I'd say. Where every time I was doing a long drive, it was affecting me. When I was hungover, it was affecting me. Um, yeah, and it was it was a tough year, really. Yeah, um, looking back, it was it, it was a, yeah. a a tough year. So, what what do you think made a change for you? 
Was it when well, you actually acknowledged that there was something yeah, mental health wise going on as well, opposed to it being physical? Yeah. Once you, you told me what was happening, we spoke about it and I started talking to mates about it because I didn't realise my mate that was there with me in hospital, he was struggling as well. Like he was getting the same things as me. Yeah. Every time he was hungover, the same was happening to him. Um, so that was kind of a shock and kind of... I can remember for... having a conversation with him because you you don't remember what was happening, whereas he was there, he saw it all. It, you know, you were out in Ibiza and you were both in the army. You had to phone up the army and say, you know, well, he did. He, we're not coming back because he's on a ventilator in intensive care but he was there witnessing it all and that's one of the things with post-traumatic stress it doesn't necessarily need to be you that's going through the trauma being an yeah. observer or a witness to something can have the same impact yeah that's it yeah so um i think there's a lot yeah. of myths around it i think there's a lot of misunderstandings and myths around what it is and how it can affect people yeah and there's still still a lot of stigma as well especially around men you know, in my age, yeah, I was in the army and stuff, and um, yeah, people don't like talking about it with their friends. They don't like getting help, especially you know, for 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 a bloke to kind of admit he's got a problem with mental health, and then and then actually seek to see a, a therapist, and yeah, it's quite a daunting task, and it and like you say, there's a lot of stigma around it. Yeah, because um, do, do you think it's still seen as a weakness, not necessarily post-traumatic stress, but to to acknowledge mental health issues. Yeah. So I think it's still like people just think, you know, just pull yourself together and especially this sort of older generation. That's, I don't want to talk about suicide too much, but one of the, the shocking facts about that is it's, it, it's um, three quarters of it are, are men still. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, taking their own life. And even more worrying than that, it's sort of 40 to 45-year-old men that it's happening. So it's, yeah. it's the older Dads, generation. family men. Yeah, yeah. uncles. Um, so it's, a, it's an eye-opener that is, is still a stigma. And, um, you know, these guys need to know that it's all right to speak about it. And it's all right to get help for it. It's not, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I know, I don't want to be sex friendly, but women talk a lot about their problems to each other. <laughs> You know, you wouldn't think twice about ringing up your friend on the phone and having a chat, and but blokes don't seem to do that. Yeah. We go down the pub and, you know, have a few beers and that, but it doesn't that doesn't solve the problem. There are there are some fantastic support groups that are available out there. I think we were speaking earlier on today about Andy's Man Club. That's one yeah. that I know of, where it is all men supporting other men, and I think that's that's the way it needs to go. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it means it can mean more coming from a you know a bloke who's been through it. Yeah. He's quite a big bloke, isn't he? It's winning that, and um, so hearing him talk about it can maybe bring a bit of ease to someone who is going through it. Or and what about therapy? I you I know I'm a psychotherapist. That's my job. What what's the the thing? Do you think that stops men seeking help or or going to therapy? Again, it's that it's that stigma, isn't it? The fact that I suppose they're going to have to tell their wife or you know their kids or whatever they're going to see that therapist. Otherwise, where are you going and stuff? And um, yeah, I, I don't, I still don't know why it's such a stigma. I suppose it was. To be fair, it was affecting my life that much. I didn't really care anymore. But I think 
if it wasn't affecting me so much, I, I'd, you know, maybe I would have struggled a bit, but it got to a stage where it was just taking over my life and I, I didn't care really. I was yeah. telling everyone about it. I was happy to see a therapist. And... So you did go and, and see a therapist. I know you went, but you, you haven't yeah. actually said that. Yeah. No, so I, I did go see one. And yeah. I think that's the danger with some people is that it needs to be at crisis point before they start to open up to look for support, help talk about yeah. it. It needs to be pretty bad for a lot of people. Yeah. And there's kind of a window as well. I think once you slip below the window where you're going to get help, you can just slip into anxiety and yeah. not anxiety, I mean depression, you know. And once you're depressed, it can be a terrible place to try and get yourself out of. Yeah. They're, they're almost gone too far then. They're just, they're just in such a mess. They don't know how to get out of it. And that's why I'm really supportive of um, Samaritans because, you know, when they, are, when they do get really bad, it's, it's someone like the Samaritans they need to call. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I would say as a therapist, and I talk about it an awful lot, is is about thoughts. And you touched on it earlier on that you didn't think that you had thoughts about it, but mm. you started to connect alcohol with it. You started to connect getting in the car and driving with it. There was lots of things that were a regular occurrence that you were getting it. So looking back now, can you see that it was the thoughts that was creating the anxiety that was creating the panic attack? When yeah. you're in it, it comes from nowhere. It's like, you know, shit, where did that come from? Yeah. Because, yeah. I, go on. Yeah, yeah, it must have been, yeah. Cause... Yeah, I think often we miss the thoughts, but, you know, as, as a, a psychotherapist, I've learnt to slow things down. So every time you were going back to camp or travelling anywhere, even the day before, there would have been that little niggle at the back of your mind. I'm going to have to get in the car. I've got a five-hour drive. Last time I had that five-hour drive, this happened. Is it going to happen again? And they're so subtle and under the radar. It's not like you consciously think, I'm going to have a panic attack when I get in the car. That's not how it works. It's very subtle under the radar. Yeah. You know, hangover is not a pleasant experience for anyone. But No. It gets to a stage where I was, I was on the night out when I meant to be having fun and I was just dreading the next day. Yeah. And that, like I said, in the end, I stopped going out because it was just... And it can be that even... association. And the other thing that, that's worth mentioning, the actual come down from alcohol, the, the reaction in our body is very similar to what we get with anxiety. You, you know, mm. the, the chemical and the hormone stuff that goes on. I'm not medical, but, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it mimics an anxious feeling. So it does trigger. Yeah. And the older you get, the longer it takes you to get over that you've started to notice. Well, that's it. <laughs> so is there anything else that you wanted to say before we finish? I really appreciate you coming on and talking openly about stuff. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about it. Like I say, I think it's important for everyone to talk about it. Uh, if you are struggling, you need to open up to your friends because, like, like for me, I didn't know my mate was going through exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, and he actually saw a therapist before me about it because it was affecting him maybe worse than me. Um, and it affected him before me sort of thing. So, yeah, you don't know who's going through anything. And no one walks around with signs on their head saying, you know, I've got, I've got problems too. But, you know, since I've started talking on the things, I've had mates going to touch me saying they're going through something similar. Or, yeah. So, you know, everyone, everyone struggles and everyone has times where they're going through, through something. So... It's important to lean on your friends and your family and 
you know, maybe it won't get to the stage where you need a therapist. Just just talking about it with your friends and your family might help in that. Um, and it's just letting people in, just letting people know that at certain times, certain situations, you, you're not feeling at your best. Yeah. You know, and reaching out. You, and if there is somebody in your family that, that's suffering, you know, don't presume you know what they need. Ask them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you are feeling anxious, if you are, you know, feeling depressed, what is it that you want from me? What do you need me to do to help you when you're feeling that way? Yeah. And as well, I think it was Brits, we kind of, the immediate reaction to how are you is I'm fine. Yeah. I say people that to the doctor when I go in. He asks yeah. how I am and I say I'm fine. People don't, it's not, it's almost not an invitation to actually give them your, all your problems. Yeah. So maybe just changing the word and how are you feeling? Yeah. It's more of an invitation to say, actually, I'm not feeling my best. Yeah. But the initial reaction is, how are you? It's, I'm fine. And it's like, you're not fine. You could be bottling something up. So maybe just up, start. If you are suspect your mates are going through something, maybe just say, how are you feeling, mate? Yeah. And that, that can be more of an invitation to actually talk about something rather than just, yeah, I'm fine and talk about the football, you know? Yeah. And I think as well, the people that are, are living around you know people that suffer from mental health issues think that they need to fix them you know it's a struggle or they don't want to talk about it because they're going to remind them that yesterday they were having a panic attack so it's it's not like you're going to suddenly make them feel a certain way it's just opening the door for them to offload for them to talk to you yeah yeah it's also knowing the help that's out there as well like they should always start with the nhs yeah but, you know, especially with PTSD, there's support groups of, like, the worst thing with PTSD is people don't want to talk about it because people don't understand. So, like, people that have been in the army and they've been on the front line, they don't want to talk to normal people, normal, I say normal, but people haven't, be, haven't been through that experience because you haven't got a clue what they're going through, you know. You've not had your mates being shot and stuff. and So it, it can be hard to open up, but there's support groups out there, like, for the, for the frontline soldiers, the, the, the sort of trauma teams, it's not like, like you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. It's kind of like a situation where you're around people that are going through the same the same problems. Yeah. And maybe they've not been through exactly the same trauma that you've been through, but they've been on the front line. You know, they know they know how you're feeling. They're maybe at different stages to you. Maybe someone's a bit further ahead. They've sort of, you know, they're starting to deal with their problems, and they can help you along. And yeah, and yeah. it's about what you've got to offer as well how you can yeah. help other people because you can understand what they're going from. You know, there's an awful lot of therapists that work in addictions that have actually had addiction problems themselves. So it's, exactly, it's about yeah. paying it forward. Yeah. And being around people that understand what you've been through. Yeah. So there's, there's one for the, I, I did have written down yesterday, but I don't know where they're from. There was one about, so guys on the front line, there's, there's a support group for you. Alcoholics Anonymous, a support group for you. Um, it's not a nice subject, but you know, we, women that have been sexually abused, there's, there's a support group for you. There's literally a support group for every, every, every sort of traumatic event, bereavement, you know, we're not spoke about, about death really, but death's quite a natural, you know, a natural thing. It's going to happen to everyone. It's going to happen to people, you know, and love, but it can be very traumatic actually witnessing that. Or maybe you've not witnessed it, but just having a loved one die, it can be a very traumatic event. Yeah. And like I was saying before about police, the, the fire service, they're dealing with death on a, on a daily basis. I know one of my friends is a police officer. One of his first call-outs was a, a bloke that has, had died in his home for a week, and he had to bust the door down and just sit with his, 
this dead body for you know a few hours waiting for the coroner to come out and you know it's not it's not a nice experience and he he, he kind of probably thinks that he, he should just be able to deal with that yeah it's part yeah. of his job that's exactly. yeah it's not the case no no it's not it's, it's a traumatic event yeah. and it can maybe maybe you do deal with that situation but you know you see it again next week or it, it can it can start to affect you yeah. So it's just it's just spreading awareness that you know it's not weakness. Just because it's part of your job doesn't mean it's not going to affect you. We're all human. It's you're, you're a bit strange if it doesn't affect you. To be honest, if you're seeing traumatic events on a daily basis, you know yeah. it's normal. It's normal to be affected by this stuff. You're not a robot. You know? I think that's the key. We are all human, and although yeah. you know there's an umbrella of post-traumatic stress, we will all deal with that differently. You know, it's some people it might happen straight away. Some people it could be six months down the line. Some people might get anxiety. Some people might get depression. Some people might talk. Some people might not. It, it's about knowing what your baseline is. You yeah. know, and, and just having awareness that this could happen. You know, if if you're having trouble sleeping, if you know if there's any changes to what's normal for you, then that that could be a sign that there's something going on. And going back to me, I didn't realise I had PTSD. It was only when I got anxiety and panic attacks I realised it was PTSD I had, and it just it changed so quickly to anxiety and panic attacks. I didn't even see the switch. Yeah. So you know, if if you get an anxiety out of nowhere, you know it's not normal for you. That it could be triggered by PTSD, and you just you just missed missed the switch over. Yeah. So. Um, so it any is. Sort it's of... like you say, you know, the GP, um, Samaritans. The you know you can always call them. There's support groups out there. Yeah, always start with your GP. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's this private therapist. You can seek private help, but it's, it can be quite expensive. So always start with your GP, and um, yeah, look up look up a support group as well. You know, if it is something that there's a support group for, why why not speak to like-minded people about it? Yeah, definitely. So, is there anything else, or I know you, there's something that you want to do before you actually yeah. end this call? I'd just like to first say I think we'll share it with the uh, with this this video. But if everyone can please go on and donate to my cause, we'll put the fundraiser with this video. That'd be amazing. Yeah, we've raised we've raised almost two hundred fifty pounds already. Um, they're a great cause, and like we've said all along, they you know they're they can be a lifeline for people that do need help and. You know, maybe I'll need it one day. Maybe you'll need it one day. We need to keep this uh, keep this lifeline open and support them as much as we can. They do a great job and they're saving lives literally every day. So on that note, I think I've got uh, 25 questions to do today. So, so I will you. leave the camera on you completely. Yeah. So we've got some, that? yeah, we can see we've got some live action shots going on now. Are you counting? So this is 25 press-ups for 25 days, raising funds for the Samaritans, and the link will be underneath the video. And he tends to do a few more than the 25, just to make sure, because he forgets to count. He's slowing, he's slowing. <laughs> I'm not sure how many that was. <laughs> I wasn't counting. 25. I wasn't counting. So well done. Um and I think what, what day is that? Are we on day twelve now? I think it's 
13 now, I think. 13. So yeah. he's still got 20. Maybe 14. No, you've got, what, 12 days left? Yeah, similar. Or thereabouts. So he's, I might he's, just carry on after, to be honest. I'm enjoying the press-ups that much. I'm, I'm just glad he's not nominated me. Um, so, like I say, don't forget to reach out. It, it, you know, I did do a trigger warning at the beginning of this video, but if it has brought anything up for anybody, feel free to get in touch with me. Um, and yeah, take care, and we shall be back soon. We might do another one of these. Yeah, and guys, just get help. Don't be afraid to speak out. There's no, there's nothing weak about it. There, sh there should be, should be no sort of um, hesitation. Just you know, speak to your friends. Go to your GP. We need to get rid of this stigma. It's not, it's not healthy, and it's literally, it's literally taking people's lives every day. So, just get help, guys. Yeah. Talk to each other. Thanks a lot, son. Bye. I love you. Bye. I love you.